Ineffably Yours, Part 1, by Second Hand News. Chapter 38, Bad Moon Rising. Read by Noodlefrog. June 2020, Raphael's Office, Heaven. So, Aziraphale looked up at the painting behind Raphael's desk, felt as though it was the first time he'd truly looked at it. A stormy sea crashed relentlessly against the black shore, while white licks of foam cascaded into the air and stretched up towards high cliffs that looked down over it all, as if surveying a glorious kingdom of chaos. New piece? It's, uh, always been here. Raphael looked over their shoulder at the grand oil painting. The first night on Earth. It's an original. It's beautiful. The Archangel smiled proudly. Thank you, Aziraphale, that's very kind. Now, how have you been keeping? Oh, you know, trying to keep busy, he shrugged, thinking back to the easy routine he and Crowley had fallen into as spring turned its thoughts to summer. Each day had started the same, whether they'd slept the night before or not. With breakfast in bed, part of their ongoing pledge to make every morning a breakfast-in-bed kind of morning. Then there was the glorious stretch of time where they did nothing but enjoy each other, hushed desires spoken aloud and desperate kisses as they got tangled up in bedsheets and panted hot breaths against each other's skin. Work came later, if it was necessary, otherwise they might while away a day in the bookshop. Aziraphale had taken to opening the shop more regularly, realizing with delighted surprise that Crowley found it a source of quiet comfort. He would catch him sometimes, flicking idly through books Aziraphale had read to him in the past, relaxing into that secret smile when he came across familiar passages. Whether they spent their nights curled up together in the flat, or in a bustling cocktail bar bickering about how to liven up paradise, or wandering through London streets after dark, fingers entwined and eyes shining in the light of the moon. The one topic they delicately tiptoed around was the R&R program, the final hurdle standing between them and everything they had only just begun to be brave enough to dream of. Well, everything seems to be in order here. Raphael traced their finger across Aziraphale's paperwork for the month buried it in a desk drawer without so much as glancing at his report. Is that it? Aziraphale asked. Their meetings had grown progressively less formal over the months, always ending with Raphael's subtle questions about how Crowley was doing. They had never spoken his name aloud in heaven, had never needed to. A reference to he was enough. They're telling them today. Raphael leaned forward. Fingers clasped under their chin as they brought their elbows down to rest on the desk. Yes. Aziraphale spoke the word tightly, tried not to think about the faraway look in Crowley's eyes as they'd said goodbye that morning, one lingering kiss after another, until they could tear themselves away from each other. When Crowley had received an emergency summons to hell, they had both known it could only mean one thing. Michael was making the long journey down to the underworld, to announce the R&R program to Hell's fallen angels. He will be okay, Aziraphale. If he is a fraction of who he was before, he will be okay. 
Aziraphale wasn't sure which one of them the insistence in Raphael's voice was supposed to comfort. But he drew reassurance from it all the same. It was funny, he thought, that Crowley had two angels in his corner. One who knew him as he was before, and one who had fallen so desperately afterwards. You work together. Creation. He told me once. Aziraphale watched as Raphael nodded slowly, a rare grin spreading across their perfectly angelic features, transforming them, for a second, from the picture of refined grace into something more playful. Yes, we did. Raphael leaned back in their chair, raised one hand to gesture to the painting behind them. He was always different, even back then. The way he saw our role, the way he pulled knowledge this way and that, looking at it from every angle and drawing out questions that the rest of us could barely conceive. Even the way he walked felt like a rebellion. Looking back, it isn't a surprise that he fell. A mistake, but not a surprise. Heaven, for all its supposed tolerance, has a very narrow view of acceptability, I'm afraid. Aziraphale tried to imagine Crowley walking through heaven's hallowed halls, could picture him swaggering past Gabriel's office, hands buried in his pockets as he strode by, head down as he dreamed up a thousand new ideas that the seraphim and archangels wished they had the boundless creativity to imagine. There had always been something heavenly about him, something tragic, too, as if a soul so bright couldn't possibly sustain all of that energy without burning itself out too soon. He is... Aziraphale trailed off, retreating into the depths of his heart to search for the words that could even begin to articulate everything Crowley still was after all those long years, perhaps because of them. He is the sun, something that burns away all of the darkness in the world, all the ugliness. He is the stars, a midnight promise, the moon, and the comets, and all of the wonders above. They will not take him from me, Raphael. I would fall if that's what it would take to stand by his side. Raphael reached for his hand across the desk, and there was a sadness in their eyes, something Aziraphale thought might have been pity. I know. I know you would. And if you fell and heaven granted him forgiveness, where would that leave you? Trapped in the same torture you've been in for all this time, loving each other hopelessly from afar. It isn't romantic, yearning fruitlessly after the forbidden. It destroys you. It fills you with hope, and it breaks it down until there's nothing left. There was a tremor in Raphael's voice, a pain that could have only come from somebody who had endured that torture themselves. Aziraphale was taken aback by their words. His and Crowley's torment had felt like the most uniquely isolating situation, but perhaps... Before he could ask, the Archangel collected themselves and spoke again. Aziraphale, the rapture, it's not... There have been changes. Oh? Aziraphale asked, feeling a storm begin to churn within him. Not now. Not when they were this close. You can't just change the rapture. It's been written for years by the Almighty herself. The rapture, the tribulation, the second coming. Raphael pursed their lips, dropped their voice as they leaned in. Progress, according to Gabriel, is essential for survival. 
That's what he calls this mess. Progress. Funny how much plans can change after an audience with hell. To push the program through. Aziraphale fell quiet as it all became clear. It was his pet project, wasn't it, to reintegrate the fallen? Raphael nodded. To win back his reputation after Armageddon failed. And when it looked like hell wouldn't agree, he made a bargain with them. Nothing that would affect him, of course, just a little bit more suffering for humanity. The little ones. That mounting fear that had been consuming his subconscious for so long reared its head. I was right, it snarled. You were a fool to believe in this. When Aziraphale spoke, there was a shiver in his voice, the feeling of control slipping out of his grasp. What did he do, Raphael? What did he trade away? Hell felt the tribulation was too long. Their voice rose sarcastically, bitterness hanging from every word. Seven years is no time at all, the blink of an eye, but hell is not as patient as it used to be. They have plans, Aziraphale, and they don't intend to lose this time. Let's just say Jesus is no longer the only guest of honor at the end of the tribulation. Humanity will be treated to something a lot more demonic. Aziraphale remembered how it had felt to stand in Satan's presence two summers ago in Tadfield. How hope had ebbed away as Satan rose above them. How he would have thrown his sword down and laid himself hopelessly at the Dark Lord's mercy if Adam Young hadn't stood between them, relying on an angel and a demon to protect him, not understanding it was he who protected them, all of them, that day. The Last Judgment, Aziraphale murmured. Fancy thwarting the great plan one last time? Raphael laughed, but it was a hollow sound. The bargain is a necessary evil. Gabriel's words, of course. Aziraphale opened his mouth to deride the statement, then hung his head as he remembered his own recent acts of necessary evil. Oh, yes. I have to give you something. After fishing around in their desk drawer, Raphael handed them a pamphlet. Their expression was supposed to be neutral, Aziraphale assumed. But they looked down at the leaflet's cheery font and cartoon imagery and couldn't resist rolling their eyes as a heavy sigh escaped their lips. I had nothing to do with this, I assure you. Aziraphale looked down at the leaflet, a chubby blonde-haired angel gracing the cover with a speech bubble escaping its mouth that read, Hurry home, principalities! Under the image were the words, Promptness is next to godliness. If you're not up here... And you're not down there, you're nowhere. He dropped the paper onto the desk, looked up at Raphael for answers. What does this mean? I have to leave the Earth? There can be no celestial presence on Earth during the tribulation. Nothing to shepherd them, nothing to tempt them. It is a chance for heaven to see their true nature, free from our interference. All of you will return to heaven before the rapture. Nothing like finding you're out of a job at the eleventh hour, he chuckled humorlessly, picking up the leaflet and folding it into his pocket. And if I don't return? Poof. 
Raphael splayed their fingers to accompany the sound effect. The principalities will return to heaven, and the demonic emissaries will return to hell. The one thing Gabriel and Beelzebub agreed on. Between you and me, they're ruling out a repeat of Tadfield. Not sure either of them could stand the shame of another blow to the end times. A death sentence, then. Aziraphale swallowed hard, wondering if Crowley was finding out this information at the same time he was. A death sentence for those who won't return to hell. He won't need to make the choice, Aziraphale. He will be here with you. In paradise, Aziraphale sighed, standing to leave and extending a hand to Raphael. Knowing the next time they saw each other, there would be no opportunity to speak like friends. The archangel rose from behind their desk, accompanied him to the door, and laid a calming hand on his shoulder. Paradise is what you make it. June 2020. Head office. Hell. Crowley had had precisely two official job titles in his life. The first was angel, the second was demon. Aziraphale always said if he ended up with a third under his belt, it would be professional sloucher. He spent a lot of time slouching, so he'd probably be pretty good at it. Better than being a demon, at least. Definitely better than being an angel. That had gone down exactly like a lead balloon, like most of his attempts at work had. As Beelzebub, flanked by Dagon and Haster, took to the makeshift stage at the head of the dimly lit room, Crowley slouched against the wall in the back corner stooping low to avoid being in the eyeline of any of the demons standing on stage. He'd managed to evade Haster since the incident in the Bentley that had seen the Duke of Hell sent screaming back to the underworld in a blaze of glory. Hadn't taken too kindly to it, he imagined, and with the R&R program swiftly approaching, Crowley was on his best behavior. He wasn't sure exactly what that meant, but he knew it didn't involve scrapping with other demons. He looked around the room and realized every demon in attendance had once been an angel, knew then that he and Aziraphale had been right. The unprecedented was about to be announced, and there was only one archangel appropriate to deliver the message. As if on cue, Beelzebub raised one dirt-stained hand and shouted over the background chatter, Demons of Hell! It took three attempts before the crowd fell silent. It was Dagon's clawed hand wrapping threateningly around their trident that did it in the end. Enough of them had been on the receiving end of Dagon's unique form of punishment that they didn't fancy a repeat session, and those who hadn't had heard the stories. Heaven has a message for you all. The crowd roared stamping at the mere mention of the enemy's name. Behind them, Crowley flicked a piece of dirt out from under one of his fingernails and wondered how differently Aziraphale's warning was going. What he wouldn't give for a matter with Raphael after all this time. Still, soon enough. An angel is in our presence. A gnashing of teeth. Withered fingers reaching for the stage as the archangel Michael strode out as if they were about to deliver a sermon, not throwing a bone to the souls they had damned to an eternity in the underworld. Up on stage, Beelzebub shouted over the den, Restrain yourselves, please. Michael, get it over with. Look at you all. 
It's been a while, hasn't it? Michael's soothing voice echoed around the room and the demons fell silent. Whether out of curiosity or the memory of the last time they stood in front of the Archangel, Crowley couldn't be sure. For his part, he buried his hands in his pockets and tried to prepare himself to look vaguely surprised when the announcement was made, just in case Beelzebub was watching him. This is the last time I'll stand here, he thought as Michael's preamble washed over him. Six thousand years I've been bound to this snake pit, and this is the last time I'll see it. Harsh fluorescent lights hanging by a thread, floors that were inexplicably sticky, ceilings that dripped brown water, colleagues who hissed tauntingly at him when he walked by. Strolling out of there without a backwards glance was going to be the sweetest moment of his day. Although Aziraphil had promised to make crepes for dinner, and he tended to be heavy-handed with the sugar, so maybe not. You were angels once! Now you have the opportunity to become divine again. Michael finished their speech and looked out at the sea of demonic faces to gauge the reaction. There was a moment of stunned silence, and then questions came raining down on the archangel like a thunderstorm. At the back of the room, Crowley laughed. It was fitting, really, to see Michael drowning under a sea of questions from the demons they had cursed for that very reason. Beelzebub stepped in eventually, though Crowley noticed they left the mood in the room to darken to menacing levels before stepping up next to Michael. Was there a flash of discomfort in the Archangel's face? Perhaps he'd imagined it, perhaps not. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time or none of you are going anywhere. The first question came from a short, squat little demon who spoke only to Beelzebub, as if they couldn't bear to look upon Michael's angelic face. What do we have to do? Is it a test? A battle? There is no battle, only the one within yourself. Michael purred the words, as if they were selling copies of their latest self-help book, the kind that was fluffed up with motivational quotes that didn't really say much of anything but sounded worthy if you didn't think about them for too long. For the love of... Crowley rolled his eyes, remembering exactly why he'd accidentally, on purpose, stuck a well-timed foot out in front of Michael one particularly amusing day in heaven. Maybe that had been the tipping point, he mused idly, a bit late to wonder now. Three simple steps. Up on stage, Michael continued, striding across the width of the room to address each and every one of them. Repent your sins, display contrition, eschew all wickedness. The three rules we all must adhere to in heaven, even those who already reside there. The questions continued for long enough that Crowley had taken to scuffing the toe of his shoe against the floor to try to determine exactly what that millennia-old sticky substance was. He'd always put it down to some unspecified hellish ooze. His research proved fruitless, with nothing but a waft of decay rising up to meet him. It could have been anything, really. Blood. Guts. Blood and guts. Just another one of Hell's mysteries he wouldn't need to concern himself with for much longer. Yes! Beelzebub gestured to the crowd, singling out one tentatively raised hand. Last question, please. This is all terribly boring and we're very busy down here. Regardless of how much spare time heaven might have on its hands, to dream up little programs. 
When the question came, the voice behind it spoke quietly but firmly, and Crowley found himself standing up straight for the first time in hours. He scanned the crowd to see who the voice belonged to, couldn't make out the figure amongst the heaving masses. Interesting. Perhaps he wasn't the only one who'd managed to hold on to something of their original self after all this time. What will happen to any fallen who aren't successful? The question was directed at Michael, but the Archangel held out a hand and stepped back as Beelzebub paced forward to the edge of the stage, fixing all of them with a good, hard stare. You will return to hell to answer for your betrayal. 